Hey, welcome everybody to the Practice of Medicine 4. This is the Clerkship Experience. This functions as your residency readiness course. This is Dr. Chapa, Hector Chapa. I am OBGYN attending at the Bryan College Station campus, and I am one of your two hosts. Our other host is Dr. White, BA. Hey, everyone. Just as a quick reminder, my background is organizational psychology and educational leadership, and I'm really looking forward to partnering with Dr. Chapa on this. All right. So we're talking about something that I hope I have not been, but again, I'm sure I have been because at three in the morning, you try being nice to everybody. It's kind of tough, <laughs> but we have to remember that we just have to because watch this, guys. Listen to this number. 96 percent. 96%, according to a recent poll of nurses, this is published, 96% of nurses said that they have witnessed or experienced disruptive physician behavior. That's terrible. Wow. 96%. So I know I mean, I'm kind of having a light time with that because I just think that's so terrible. And I, I we, wonder if the other 4%, they just don't, they, they have a high threshold for what disruption is. Well, those 4% weren't home when they were asked <laughs> and they never responded because it's true. It probably is even higher than 96. And remember what we're doing with this podcast is we're covering four main questions to get you residency ready. It's what is the topic that we're covering? How do we define it? What does it look like? Why is this important to you now as a medical student and as a future intern, resident and future a physician. And then third, how do we deal with this when we are either in the party of it or we're talking about you when it affects you personally? So the disruptive physician, let's get to it with what is it? BA, what is it? Yeah. So if you haven't seen it yet, chances are you will. Uh, you're too early in your career, but you'll definitely see it at oh, some they'll point. See it. They'll yeah. see it. So a physician yelling, arguing, belittling another staff member, nurse, colleague, yep. potentially even a patient. I've heard about uh, clipboards being thrown down the hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we all lose our cool, definitely at times. Yep. But the disruptive physician is one that sets these unhealthy and unproductive acts into habitual pattern. So pattern is key uh, right that's there. That's the deal. So right? everyone, where, where you're not perfect, nope. we can blow off a little steam. Mm -hmm. If you blow off the steam four times in an eight-hour shift, you probably have an issue. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> There's a habitual pattern okay, there. Okay, got right? it. There's an issue. The disruptive physician may encounter de um, detrimental consequences from these actions, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, about some psychological safety, personal professional issues, issues when it comes to patient outcomes. So this is real. Yeah, and that's a good point, is that this actually affects patient outcomes. So let's give a definition, all right? So we have to know if somebody asked you uh, during a site visit, excuse me, doctor, uh, what would you call a physician, a disruptive physician? And then you throw the coffee at him, that's a disruptive <laughs> physician. <laughs> but the true definition is the American Medical Association defines a disruptive physician, which can be male or female, all right? Let's put that out there, as personal conduct, whether verbal or physical, that negatively affects or that potentially may negatively affect. How about that, huh? Mm -hmm. It just has to have the potential, the potential to affect patient care. So this includes, but of course, is not limited to how we conduct ourselves uh, in patients' rooms and with others that people see. That's why we're talking about this as the hidden curriculum. This actually interferes with one's ability and one's judgment because you just can't think right uh, when you're that hot-headed and you're putting that hot-headedness into action. However, 
Here's a big difference. Criticism that is offered in good faith with the aim of improving patient care should not be constructed as disruptive behavior. So let me get that straight, okay? If I see a nurse and they're just having a bad bedside manner and I take them off and I say, listen, I just don't think that's right. I, th- I would have approached that differently. I'm not trying to belittle her. There's time for correction and then there's basically abuse. Absolutely. And, and so that's a great distinction point right there. So in this session, we're going to cover this complicated issue of the disruptive physician. What about some extra background, BA? Yeah, some additional background. There's not a known prevalence, and that's probably because people are afraid to report it. That's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But large-scale studies suggest that disruptive behavior occurs frequently. So that's concerning. Current research suggests that it is generally a small percentage of physicians who are responsible for the majority of the inappropriate behavior, um, and yet it's still not being addressed. Well, that's always the case, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. A few bad apples, yep. is that how it goes? Yep. Most reports describe 3 to 5% of physicians exhibiting disruptive behavior. Now, I don't know about, I mean, is that small? 3 to 5%? I mean, I... It's a good question. To me, that's... That's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot, especially when you think about the healthcare team. So physicians are a smaller number on the healthcare team. There's a lot more nurses in the hospital. There's a lot more. For sure. So when you think about that, it's definitely a a decent decent chunk of folks. Now, I know that disruptive behavior is actually a umbrella, Mm -hmm. right? So this is a great takeaway, guys. So if somebody ever asks you, how do you define that? Well, somebody with bad behavior that can affect patient care. But if they say, well, give me four types of examples. BA, what you got for us? Yeah, we got that. So the first one is intimidation and violence. Yep. The second one is inappropriate language or comments. Oh, boy. Number three, something we'll talk about a little bit more in depth later, sexual harassment. (sighs) Four, inappropriate responses to patient needs or staff requests. And that includes in your psychology, right? Mm -hmm. That's passive aggressive behavior. Now, can I be honest here? Look, I'm going to be very transparent, all right? There's physicians that I work with right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness. First name is passive. Last name is Aggressive. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just, they're out there. We see, these are grown folks. Yeah. So let me tell you, these are real. So again, that's a great clinical pearl. There's four different categories of disruptive physician. And as a summary, Sam, real quick again, because I think that's important. Yeah. So intimidation and violence, inappropriate language or comments, sexual harassment, inappropriate responses to patient needs or staff requests. Now, listen, guys, I know that you're saying, hey, that's just me. And, and I understand that. I mean, if those who personally know me, I'm a huggy kind of guy. All right. I grew up in the South. If I see you, I'm going to give you a hug. I'm not trying to give you any kind of mixed message. That's just what I do. And that's male and female. But you have to, you have to be very careful between what is courtesy, uh, Southern charm, uh, and, uh, and, and disruptive behavior. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful. Now, here is something that is eye-opening. Sorry, guys. I'm just going to give you some data. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. But it's not mine. You got an issue right to the American Medical Association, (laughs) P.O. Box. You can look that up yourself. (laughs) So here it is. Sorry. According to a bulletin published by the American College of Surgeons in 2015, entitled The Disruptive Physician Addressing the Issue, it appears that surgeons are among those most often identified as disruptive. I'm sorry, don't send, I don't want to hear me, don't, don't be sending me tweets. This is from the American Medical Association and the American College of Surgeons. Now, this is particularly, specifically, they called out general surgeons, neurosurgeons, cardiovascular, and orthopedics. And I got to tell you, I've got great friends in every one of those houses, and they are great. I don't see it in that, but we're talking about in generality, Okay. Now, another important clarification is that most disruptive physicians are not impaired or suffering from a substance abuse pathology. That's a nice, you know, true and false. 
right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're obviously disrupted because they're all mm-hmm. high or something. That actually is not what the data show. Probably because those that are high are too high to even get mad. <laughs> just a joke, guys. Just a joke. <laughs> so again, it, it, those that are exhibiting disruptive behavior may be less likely to have a substance abuse because maybe it's more of a personality thing, BA. I don't know. That's your realm. Yeah. So in fact, fewer than 10% of physicians' behavior issues are related to substance abuse. Did y'all get that? Less than 10%. So remember, the impaired physician is covered separately in a different podcast, and you can listen to that at another time to see how these balance out. But here we're talking about the disruptive physician. And one of the things that I have looked at in my research, so I do some research in conflict management education in the ICU, and some of the literature has shown that one of the most common causes of disruptive behavior is stress. Oh, what, man, what are we talking about? Are you kidding? I mean, is, do y'all get this? Mm-hmm. So it's, this is this is a whole issue of wellness and burnout is big. If you're following the national news, physician burnout. Listen, if we burn out, who's going to take care of us when we're sick? <laughs> I mean, this is a big issue. We're not healthy folks. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That, this is a bummer of a podcast, <laughs> but we need to do better. That's why we are here. B.A., give us some examples of what this looks like. A bummer with the super chipper Host, yeah, right? mwah, mwah. yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, so some specific examples: the disruptive physician, the actions listed in the American Medical Association Code of Medical Ethics, which were adopted in 2009, include things like abusive conduct, including sexual and other forms of harassment. There are other forms of verbal or nonverbal conduct that can potentially harm um, or intimidate mm-hmm. others to the extent that the quality of care or patient safety could be compromised. So there's a lot of literature out there right now. And Amy Edmondson's doing a lot of work in the area of psychological safety and the work mm-hmm. environment. Awesome. Um, Give us some examples. Give me some specifics. Yeah, specifics. So physically threatening anyone in the hospital. Yeah. You, you think that's not possible, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Making threatening or intimidating physical contact with another person. Uh, I've heard of, I have not seen it personally, but I've heard of people body checking um, to push people out of the way in, in the middle of care. Hmm. Um, throwing things. I've heard of this one. Like oh, I yeah. Oh, I, I yes. trained with that. Isn't this crazy? <laughs> I mean, when I, if the surgeon didn't throw something at you, uh, you weren't doing something right. I mean, this is the way it is. You, you, had to, you had to avoid dodge of the, the uh, suture scissors. Okay, what else we got? <laughs> better to be, uh, you know, have an object thrown at you than hey, to least, be ignored. At, at least all. I was acknowledged. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what else you got? So threatening violence or retribution. Sexual or other harassment, that one keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, persistent, inappropriate behavior rising to the level of harassment. So that goes back to that um, habitual that we talked about previously, and I think that was our previous podcast. So yeah. if you're seeing patterns, patterns are an issue. And then specific inappropriate behaviors outlined in the code include things like um, making belittling, sarcastic, or condescending statements, kind of going back to that passive-aggressive behavior you mentioned previously, calling people names, using profanity, blatantly failing to respond to patient care needs or staff requests. And the sad part is, is I think that that's what's happening with some of the passive aggressive behavior that you're referring to. You know, they're kind of avoiding the other person and punishing them, but essentially it's punishing the patient as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Deliberately failing to return calls. That's definitely in that realm. Uncomfortable. I'm I'm getting uncomfortable. Pages of messages, right? it's, It's definitely a concern. All right. So here's the thing. I, know, I think we can all, you know, we chuckle at this because we see, uh, I, when I was in uh, residency, there was a TV show called Scrubs. And so to me, the, the chief disruptive physician, we all <laughs> laughed about it because it was funny. 
but sometimes as always, there's there's always some truth to to parody, mm-hmm. and that's Dr. Cox, right? So if mm-hmm. you guys don't know what I'm talking about, if this is beyond your before your time, don't worry, because I'm going to show you clips during our web session, yes. <laughs> because yes. this is the ideal disruptive physician. I remember he would tell, he'd call every male a medical student a different girl name, you know, just <laughs> just to irritate them. Hey, Susan, come over here. It's like it's not Susan. <laughs> that would be considered disruptive. Absolutely. All right. So here we go. Now listen, we're getting into why this matters. Remember our questions. Why we are talking about the what? Why does this matter? It matters because your hospital is going to close <laughs> if this keeps up. In 2008, the Joint Commission. So if you don't know what Joint Commission is, because in medical school we don't hear those terms, you do if you're in practice. Joint Commissions keep your doors open. Jayco. That's Jayco. The Joint Commission issued a sentinel event which stated intimidating and disruptive behaviors can foster medical errors, contribute to poor patient satisfaction, and to preventable adverse outcomes, increase cost of care, and cause qualified clinicians, administrators, and managers to seek new positions in more professional environments. And this is what they said, to assure quality and to promote a culture of safety, healthcare organizations must address the problem of behaviors that threatens the performance of the healthcare team. So your hospital is looking at you. Sorry, man, if you don't, if you think you're, you're too much to get called out, I, I've been called out for stuff. I mean, let's just be real. I have. Uh, and, and I'm apologetic for it because mm-hmm. you feel terrible. I, I didn't realize I, well, I, I, I intimidated somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. For example, so Joint Commission states that for accredited hospitals, they have a mandate. How about that for a word? They have a mandate to have defined mechanisms in place to identify and address and correct disruptive behavior. All right. So, B.A., what are the effects? How does this carry on? What's the ripple, the, the domino effect of disruptive behavior? Yeah, there's definitely an effect. Before we move on to that, so I wanted to touch back on what you were saying. I like how you were humble and said that you've been approached because that's part of the learning process. That's something that we have to be willing to admit and move forward. Oh, it feels terrible. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, for sure. Right? So the consequences of the disruptive physician are, they definitely can be significant. Um, it may even affect patient care. As we said before, these behaviors can often result in diminished morale and productivity and create work environment disturbances due to increased stress and turnover of healthcare employees. So I know you guys have heard of never events at some, you know, mm-hmm. at some point. We're never- going to talk about that and their patient safety. Yeah. And so never events are something that potentially happened because of a disruptive physician, <sighs> because somebody didn't feel safe to point. speak out. Good point. So collegiality um, is impaired because people aren't going to be, um, feeling safe in that environment. Mm-mm. And it really leads to less efficient and less functional situations and teams. Yeah, it's tough. So a colleague on the receiving end of the inappropriate behavior may be less likely to question orders, you know, the, a wrong amputee. You heard about that. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, way, we're going to get into that. We're, so we're, we're just giving you a little taste of your future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they won't express the concerns regarding discrepancies in a patient consent or notify the physician of other patient-related issues, and it really increases the potential for medical error. So listen to this. I got, I got to intervene here. There's, a, there's, a, there's an author named Maxwell Gladwell, mm. all right? an incredible author, New York Times bestseller. Uh, he has bozo hair. You've never seen him. Very no, thin bozo hair. Him. Oh, Maxwell Gladwell. Mm. He does a lot of books on leadership. Well, in one of his books, he actually outlined that a chief cause for, for a while uh, during like the 60s and 70s, there was a high rate of, of, of airliners based in Asia that, that would have accidents. 
All right. Listen mm-hmm. to this. So in the cockpit, here's what they found is that the, in the traditional Asian culture, such respect for the authority. Y'all yes. get where I'm going? I know where you're going. That the, the second, the co-pilot failed to correct a known error. He mm-hmm. knew what the pilot was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And because that wasn't his position, that co-pilot testified multiple times that I, I said nothing out of respect. It was worse to crash or put people in danger to violate that peer. Isn't that, cr- that's crazy. So please, let's not have that culture. We have to be able to feel comfortable and approach somebody uh, in this. All right, so here we go. Disruptive physician behavior also has economic consequences. And in addition to the issues that BA talked about, this has real, this translates into lost dollars, all right? And this includes patients that have no-shows, patients who don't come for their surgeries because they don't trust their physician. This is a trust issue. And of course, it's an increased or elevated cost for hospitals because they have to cover for these adverse events or pay for, in short, uh, legal fees, let's just say it, and hospital turnover of physicians. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, let's review what the pathway for handling the disruptive physician looks like. Remember, we're being true to our outline. What is it? We've done that. Why is this important? We've already covered that. And now, how do I deal with this? The literature calls this the pathway of dealing with a disruptive physician, BA. So as far as the behavior prevention, that's kind of the top thing. So the first step in addressing the disruptive behavior is prevention. Hospital systems should develop a clearly outlined approach. It's always important to set up the expectations on the front end. So um, you need to include the physicians, get that buy-in, and make them aware of what constitutes a disruptive behavior. A lot of times people don't necessarily even know that they're being disruptive. So let them know, outline it clearly, give them the expectations on the front end, and then tell them what the consequences of the transgressions are. So letting them know in advance, this is real and there will be consequences. So you know what that says to me? Uh, Culture. The culture of the institution has to be known to the physician Mm -hmm. that we don't yell at nurses here. (laughs) We don't throw things at medical students. Though That can be fun. Just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. (laughs) So this is the culture. So what you're saying is prevention. Basically, you're saying education. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which we're doing now. Yes. So we're hitting them before they actually become the disruptive. We don't want them Mm -hmm. to be the disruptive medical student. Exactly. Right, exactly. Because part of the issue is that they're going to be learning from others, the yeah. modeling. So oh. we're going to tell them in advance, right? We're going to tell them Boy. in advance. Um, but yeah, so specifically, expected behaviors should be clearly defined. Consequences for divergence from these behaviors should be delineated. And then repercussions should be in accordance with the, the severity of the incident. So not a little slap on the wrist. Because what ends up happening is if the rep, the repercussions are don't coincide, then somebody's not going to report in the future. They're going to say, you know what, I reported so-and-so and nothing happened. True. So you need to set up that respect and let people know that something will happen. Consequences for repeat behavior should increase in a stepwise fashion. So often we do things, but we don't necessarily set up a protocol and we don't have it in step-by-step fashion. You really need to have something that people can follow and that it's consistent. Yep. Good. I like it. So... All right, so we've we've gone through prevention, which is education, identification, mm-hmm. uh, and then if you had to sum the up, so addressing the issue, mm-hmm. and then monitoring the issue, monitoring the physician for any repeat occurrences. Absolutely. So listen, when I was a medical student, there was a physician who is a, uh, I mean, there's a statue of this physician because of his contribution to internal medicine at, at Parkland. His name is Don Selton, an internal medicine physician, incredible. Um, I mean, he was retired when he taught us in, in medical school, but he was notorious for when he would lecture, he would uh, put his hand into his front pocket and jingle coins, coins. So you'd hear them jingling. Mm-hmm. And then he'd ask you something. And you were student one, two, or three, or whatever, right? Because he didn't know names. He didn't care. How's that for 
talking about disruptive position. But <laughs> so student one, and it was just wherever you sat in the chairs. And he'd ask you a question. And if you didn't know it, he would take out a quarter and he'd throw you a quarter. And he would say, that's a quarter. Call your mother. Tell her you're not learning anything. Tell her your tuition's going down the drain. How about th that's how I learned? Oh my goodness! Can you imagine if we did this today, BA? That would be We'd a great be movie. Are you kidding? Oh my movie, gosh! So if you if you're ever by Dallas, for those <laughs> on the Dallas campus, walk through the Parkland campus, you'll see the dis you'll see. I'm sorry, <laughs> you'll see a, a statue of, of Donald Selden because he was a he changed the way we do diabetes in medicine. Just to say, I mean, incredible. But yeah, I had many a quarter thrown to me wow. to call my mother. Wow. I, I love anything. it. And I love the accent. Oh, my gosh. So, so Northeast. Call your so mother. Call your mother. <laughs> All right, guys. So listen, we have brought you the disruptive physician. We just look, we, we, we want to be this person. We want to do better than this. We want to make sure that we uh, treat patients and ourselves better. So last thing, again, as this is a continual lifelong thing, of course, just wrap us up and we're two minutes down. Uh, how do we, what does this monitoring issue look like? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because so often I think we address things, especially in conflict situations or situations like this. We address things, but we don't set up an opportunity to monitor it. So as part of the corrective plan, a monitoring program should be put in place, establishing behavior patterns that may be resolved incrementally. So, you know, kind of like the behavioral interviewing, you kind of do it in increments and uh, you know, reward people for as far as they're, they've come. And then if relapses happen, then you move forward, right? But you keep moving forward and you set up that monitoring, really hoping to improve the conduct. If the behavior persists, then there should be agreed upon penalties. So a conversation about that in advance, right? And it should be, it should be implemented. You can't just let it go. It needs to be um, addressed. addressed. Right, exactly. Sure. So the monitoring period will vary, just depends on the situation. Mm. Uh, but it should extend at least six to 12 months. So how often have you seen somebody improves, but then they relapse? Yeah. So Ooh, six to 12 months, that's a long time. It is a long time. Yeah. It is. But keep in mind that it took a long time for them to develop those behaviors, right? Sure. So Oof. so in order to correct them and, and move back to but some people are just mean. Yeah. Said <laughs> <laughs> to throw that out there. <laughs> and if they're not remediatable, that's a whole other conversation, mm -hmm. right? Um, but really encouraging maintenance and appropriate behavior. Most state medical boards provide or contract with formal programs. I know we have one here at Texas A&M where um, there's evaluation and rehabilitation of Star physicians. Program, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you're probably a little more familiar with it because yeah. you're on this campus. Uh, uh, yeah, and I've, I've, I've helped uh, do some of those remediation oh, things. Oh, cool. Very weird, stressful for them. I yes. mean, I feel that stress is palpable, Ooh, yeah. but it's so vital. Because All it's right. their career. Yeah. yeah. Now, last thing, you'll get a kick out of this BA uh, in a kick in a weird psychology way. We have an attending right now that we had to address because he kept referring to the female students as honey. Oh. Oh. Can you, guys, this is so weird. Yeah, it's talking about <laughs> awkward. Like, awkward. Yes. Like, the, the, the student has the name and it's not honey. <laughs> Just telling you. BA, thank you for doing this. So we've talked about the disruptive physician. Very important. So guys, we'll see you next time on the Practice of Medicine 4.